Hi, I'm Tim Crosby and this is episode 12 of Down the Track. Once again, I'm joined by Sean Whip. Welcome, Sean. Thanks for having me, Tim. Looks like we've got a few meets to cover from the, the week just gone. Yeah, a few meets to cover, a little bit different this time. We've got no interviews, so the AV mics were, were tucked away for the last couple of weeks, so no <laughs> interviews to weave into this one, but certainly plenty to talk about, and I'm looking forward to it. So 21st of March, double header. We had the High Velocity Club out at Duncan McKinnon, Glen Huntley track. Good to see it in you, say, Sean. Yeah, I, I feel like it's been getting renovated for quite some time. <laughs> Several decades. But, um, yeah, allegedly it was it was good to go again, and um, we saw a, a pretty wide cache of, uh, of sprint events. Yeah, and over at Lakeside Stadium we had Milers Club. So, overall, it was a pretty beautiful night for athletics, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it looks like the, there was a real mix at High Velocity Club in terms of some small tailwinds and, and headwinds, but uh, I know being at Milus Club, it was, uh, it, was, it was pretty much perfect uh, once the sun dropped and resulted in some really good events. All right, let's uh, cast our eye across these results from High Velocity Club, though. And let's have a look at the girls first, our women's event. So, Mia Gross, she had a double in the 100-200. Yeah, so her 100-metre uh, PB is from 2017, um, and it's good to see Mia sort of getting back down near that again. So yeah, 11.80, so that's, you know, if there was nil wind on that one, so 11.80 yeah, unassisted. Yes. So she's run 11.71 previously. Um, and then she doubled up in the two to around 24.17, um, which is relatively strong. Um, but good to see most of her, her Joe Gooley group uh, making the trip down for a uh, for a bit of a training session. Yeah, once again, well supported, wasn't it? 27 runners in the women's 100, and what have we got? About um, 15 in the twos. Yeah, there's some good numbers here, and the men's are very similar numbers as well. Yeah, so it, it does look like people are, are starting to get the behind high velocity club, which is handy. Yeah, um, why not? Look, the timing of both those meets, Milers and also HVC, were perfectly positioned for nationals. Yep. And um, we did have another few names that we've seen uh, recently floating around in the 100. So it's good to see Hannah Bassick back having a, having a run around for Old Melburnians. Yeah, she um, came third, 12-12. Yeah, so her personal best uh, is 11.64, um, which is from 2014, which would have been her, her world junior year. Um, so I think she's run 12 flat this season. But it, it is cool to see someone that's obviously been to sort of, I guess, the top of that junior peak still remaining involved. And I think she's entered for Open Nationals. So, um, that's great. Christine Burns split them 1207 mm. now christine l- looking at the results here the 100 seems to be the preferred event for christine at the moment yeah i think so and i think she did get uh disqualified at states which was yes, not so ideal um so looking to get a few more runs in before nationals i think she then meddled in the two though so that made it a bit better mm. Letitia willis also up there 1215 and kobe Hollopan at 1217 they were all in the first race in the second race that was taken out by danielle shaw in 1239 any other takeaways? Kendra Hubbard, 200, and I think she did the four as well, 24.49. Yeah, I, I guess for someone that, um, you know, I guess has been in the sport for a little while, she does keep setting PBs quite regularly. So, you know, for someone that's approaching their, their 30th birthday, yes, um, doesn't have any milestone. Yeah, doesn't, doesn't have any PBs that are sort of two, three years old. Everything's sort of within within 12 months. Yeah, so, and, and probably what's happened with Kendra is some of the changes to coaching and the structure and things must be working for her because the last two years we're seeing, you know, a re-emergence of this athlete. Yeah. And, um, she's really, you know, she wasn't that far off Mia and, and hopefully in, in the 400 too, she's running very strongly. 
spot on. So if we move to the four, um, did have a few interesting results in there. Um, so we had Jess Gooley Nance. Um, so her personal best for the four hundred is from two thousand uh, tw- from twenty fifteen, and that's fifty three twenty two. Um, but obviously reinvigorated and having quite a strong season. Um, she ran fifty four zero eight. Um, to really clear out there, but we did have a little bit of an unusual result in uh, in the second race. Uh, it was a young young lady from uh, Box Hill, Charlie Power, um, who is a 2004 born athlete, um, who's listed here as having run 54.59. Um, which look, I'm hoping it's not a typo because she does have nationals coming up in a couple of days. But if so, that's that's a pretty spectacular run from someone that's turning 16 this year um i think she's uh oh no turning 15 this year um yeah well you look at you know where she stacks up in the ranking order here she was second overall on the day yeah ghoulie nance with hubbard keen and bays behind her yeah for a for a november born athlete that's um that's quite the run so i think that'll be definitely their name to watch yeah um, well, we're doing our f- investigation on that one yeah yeah we've sent out a few texts just yeah. double check if the the clock got everything right there but the results have been up for a little while so you'd think so um nevertheless um we did have uh we did have Letitia willis had a run around in the hurdles as well and ran 1390 maybe um, 1360 from from february so yeah so in the in the sort of general zone you'd want to be in heading into nationals um I think another notable result we pulled out there was that we had four athletes at 62-2 or faster in the 400 hurdles, and our, uh, our state champ, Stephanie Larkin, ended up fourth. Yeah, but the winner, Marley Wilkinson, uh, the previous best performance I could see from her, 64-59, and now she's gone 60.81 and beaten, beaten yeah, the, the top two from the state champs. Yeah, yeah, so obviously a, a very strong run from her. and, and Thompson Kevin, so we're making some assumptions, I suppose, but we're yeah. thinking that it might be a Steve Kane athlete potentially. But we Possibly. Usually the, the St. Kevin's connection is through through Kaney, so you'd think that would be the most uh, most likely situation. Yeah, but uh, that's pretty good. 60.81 for Wilkinson from St. Kevin's to take that out. So, yeah, very, very good run. All right, we'll move on uh, to some of the field events we had on that evening as well. Uh, notably, in the in the women's event, we had Ellen Petit uh, from Athletics Essendon. Um, she bounded out to thirteen oh six in the triple jump. Yeah, um, good to see her back over thirteen because you know, obviously at the um, the state champs uh, didn't quite get over thirteen. Yeah, I believe. That, that stellar field, but I think when we talk about Brisbane a bit later too, I think she's gone further again. Yeah, yeah. So we also had other other usual suspects in the triple jump from uh, our state championships event, like uh, Tierra Exum. Uh, she was second in twelve thirty two. Chloe Grenard, who jumped, uh, I think she won the under twenty title at states, was out at twelve twenty five. Um, and Emily Potaro was there in fourth in eleven ninety three. Now Celeste Mucci is popping up everywhere. Yeah, she's had a lot on. Um, yeah, always she was, great she was to in, see. She was in everywhere. Brisbane as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she was here in the long jump, uh, five seventy two for the win. Um, she had, what's that, she had f- four jumps um, and looked like she had sort of three jumps that were thereabouts and, and one that was a, a bit of a shorter one. Yeah, 348, um, I reckon. Yeah, I can yeah. get that. <laughs> and then passed on the last two. Um, so obviously just trying to figure things out heading into the, the heptathlon at Nationals. Um, obviously uh, we had Rachel Lindbergh there in second uh, from Box Hill, another multi-eventer. Uh, she jumped out to 558. Uh, and in third we had Sydney, Okiani Sydney. Yep. who jumped 529. 
Beautiful. Now, women, the under-17 hurdles, that was Keely Bourne. Bourne, she just keeps going on a merry way. Yeah, so, so I guess Keely is, is a little ways out in front of some of the other kids in her age group. Um, so it will be interesting to see how she stacks up against the, the national comp um, of usually the likes of New South Wales, Queensland, WA, are, are very, very strong in the in the sprint hurdle events. Um, I can't recall off the top of my head if she's in, I think it's, uh, it's either Ruby or Sophie White, I think was the youth Olympic hurdler. I think yeah. she's from WA, so she might be under 18s, but... We'll have to wait and see at Nationals. All right, let's move on to men. Uh, the 100, some great names up in the 100, but we got an NWI, unfortunately, so no wind. A little uh, puzzling, so it doesn't provide a great deal of context to how the run's shaped up. So uh, Rizzo took it? Yeah, so Matt Rizzo, obviously uh, a former store gift winner um, and does enjoy spending a fair bit of time on track for Mornington Peninsula. Ran, took the win in 10.70. Uh, Cam De Bruin doubled up in the 100 and the 200 uh, and ran 10.73. And in third, we had Jake Penny, who's also a, a Val regular, uh, yeah. he ran 10.93. Good to see Jack Bolton coming down for it. Yeah, Aubrey. so the, the youngster from Albury, 2004 born, he ran 11.31 for sixth. So that's a, that's a fair trek from Albury to Duncan McKinnon. Now, it's not often you'd see the fastest time in the 200 coming from heat number three. Cameron Sewell, that's yeah. where he was. Probably a bit too honest and didn't put forward a time. And Yeah, so look, uh, I think he's probably got it going for him that he is a very honest young fellow and he, he hadn't run a 200 yet this season. Um, I think he's... He's sort of been one of those junior talents that popped up and was quite spectacular back in 2016 and, and made a world junior team and was even in consideration for sort of senior relay teams and those sorts of things. Um, and I think after a few sort of uh, false starts on injury comebacks, um, has decided that, you know, this season he needed to do things very gradually. And, you know, we've seen him out at Shield and, and state champs running rounds and sort of just getting used to going through the, the machinations of, uh, of being a sprinter again. Yeah, now, unfortunately, um, heat number one, they copped the worst of the wind. So I can't imagine it getting up to 2.3, but it obviously yeah, did. Yeah, 2.3 headwind. Yeah. So uh, as, as we touched on there, the quickest time of the meet was Cameron Sewell from heat three with a headwind of 0.9 metres. He ran 21.83. Uh, his personal best is 21.41 from 2016. I think he was about... 16 turning 17 at the time so was a very very promising young junior and cool to see him staying in the sport uh de bruin uh, similarly a, a very young fellow um still an under 20 and has run 21.85 there in heat one um the other sort of results we pulled out of the the men's events there we, we moved down to the 400s um we've definitely got a tail of a sort of three different age groups there in the sense that our our first three were a mix of athletes who were in the early 20s their their late 20s and someone who's not yet 20 so we had Liam Procaccino from Doncaster Athletic Club run 47-46 for the win. Uh, Michael Beltrame from Old Zavs. Um, he's a little bit of an older athlete who's had a little bit of uh, you know, time between drinks, as, as Nick Wall would say. Uh, and he's back running 47-68. Uh, and Tom Willems, who had a, had a blistering time um, at the APS Schools Champs way back in, in sort of September, popped out of nowhere and ran 47.70 or thereabouts. Um, so he's around 47.78, which is a really strong sign um, leading into nationals. We had 13 guys under 50, and if you look through those 13, geez, so mm. many names coming out of state champs. So the, the guys are really supporting this meet, which is yep. good. So, you know, you've got Sotsos in there and Morant, uh, Wilson, Phil Borg, 
Kamaras, they're all there. Yeah, Mins, Powell, yep. even Jamie Harrison's made the, the trip down from Kahuna yep. to sneak in at 49.62. PB for Jamie, do you think? Uh, I reckon he be very close. I think he yeah. got his, his national qualifier at under 20s. Although uh, he's now moved to Melbourne, I believe. Yeah, so I, that, that was one of our, our happier little projects. Jamie was a, a kid we tapped on the shoulder at, uh, I think, public school state champs. It's usually held on the same track. Um, it was held at Lakeside usually, so we often pop out and promote the all-schools champs and just let kids know that there is another event um, following their secondary school champs. And, um, yeah, Jamie was a, a young fellow who I think got second and had run a grand total of three 400s in his life and was down around 50 seconds. And we said, hey, um, you might be okay at this. <laughs> so we, we hooked him up with a coach in Echuca. Uh, it's about a 40-minute drive from Kahuna. And he, he sort of did that once a week. And I think he was training with a 14-year-old mate um, on the local footy oval or, or, as his dad pointed out, up his farm driveway, which is quite lengthy. And um, yeah, he's, he's Terry come. Hicks came. Yeah, so Terry, Terry was yeah. doing a really good job, job yeah. up there with Jamie and yeah, sort of. Terry's done an awesome job with so many juniors in yeah. regions. And, 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 then, just, and the good thing, Terry, he will then endeavour to pass them off. Yeah, so he kept it fun and, and sort of let Jamie try out everything from 100 to 800. Um, and he had, a, I think he had a little bit of a hamstring niggle or something when he was getting into it. And yeah, there was no rush and sort of waited around until you know, he could get back into it. And yeah, Terry rang us up. When he was obviously making the move, I think he's headed down to uni here, and um, yeah, I, th- I think we've, we've hopefully we've got him into a good squad. Hopefully we've got him yeah. into a good squad, and um, yeah, he could be one to watch for the future. Yeah, excellent. All right, Ben Kongbuck just keeps going on his merry way with the hundred hurdles, doesn't he? One hundred ten. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's had a, a winter of, of footy, and, and now he's yeah. back on the track. I think he's looking to rack up um, as many state titles as possible. Um, but yeah, it was it was a long way out in front of that field with uh, with fourteen sixty three for the win. Now, men's 400 hurdles. Do you reckon the pecking order in Victoria is just about set now, that Luke Major is, is the lead? Yeah, I think Luke's been a little bit more consistent in terms of times in sort of the 52 low, 51 high area, um, whereas Connor sort of had a very – Connor Fry had a very big run early in Canberra um, and has struggled a little bit at times to, to put that back together, but I think did did get the win um, at state champs. So it's sort of – it's flicked backwards and forth between the two, um, and then you throw a guy like Harvey Morant in the mix, um, and, you know, it, it makes for a really interesting uh, national competition. Yeah, so going to nationals, where do you mm-hmm. see the – likes of Major and Fry fitting into the, the natural, national picture? Oh, well, I guess it's hard with um, with Cochrane and Dewhurst, um, one of which is a Kiwi. I can't remember which one, um, but one will make the trip over. Um, and I know having had an early peek at the the national fields, um, they'll have two very speedy 51-point and 50-point gentlemen from Korea. So well, it's going to drag them out. Yeah, so, so I potentially think... Potentially in heats too. That's yeah, and I know we've spoken about the sort of that critical mass that you get in an event group, and we're definitely seeing that the 400 hurdles with, you know, the old standard maybe to make a state final would have been, you know, 56-something or 55-something, and you might be the quickest guy on the field with 54-point. Now you've got guys running 53s and 52 highs in heats just to get through to a state final. So at nationals, you know, you sort of have this new bar where whilst the qualifying time might be well out, um, you know, you really need to be in that... 52 low, 51 high to have a an outside chance of making the final. Yeah, it's certainly an event group that we've got our eye on and mm. uh, exciting things happening there. Men's long jump, the 1-2-3, where Nathan Desland is from Nunawading in 7.24 by Agostino. We saw him crack the 7-metre mark uh, a few weeks ago at the States, but he mm-hmm. you know, had to settle for a 6.94 to come second. And yep. uh, Anthony James from Old Melbourne in 6.80. 
Men's triple, AO or A, got a PB, 1574. Hmm. So sneaky, sneaky little PB there heading international, sure yeah. to boost the confidence up a touch. So the coach wasn't competing, so he would have been <laughs> no, on Alan, the sidelines. Alan sat that one out. Yeah, on the sidelines, obviously, uh, getting these guys ready. So Tristan Shears, 1478, and Ojalabi Aiken uh, was third with 1471. Yeah, Taylor Willis got a, we think, a legal PB of 1462 in the under 18, 91.4, 110 mm. hurdles. So 1462, we think the best legal behind that was 1463. But he's run quicker with a. Yeah, so he's run, he's run 14.0 with a 2.9 metre tailwind at States. But uh, another one that's. Uh, Certainly one to watch heading into his, his age group at, uh, at Nationals. Yeah, definitely. And Max Holmes, 56-17 for the uh, under-18 four hurdles. Best of 54-82. So it was sort of, about. Yeah, still, still figuring out the four hurdles as an event, I think. Yeah, but he'll be one to watch when we go to Nationals. Definitely. So a good night of HVC, and uh, that's a wrap. Milers Club, Sean, stellar night there. Let's look at the 800s first, and we'll start with the girls. I want to kick off with the C race. You know, there were sure. lots of races, uh, 32 races in all, but let's look at the women's C. Big run there, Amy Bunnage, we know. She's been around quite a while, and mm-hmm. she's uh, actually a really good little racer, knows how to get to the front of a pack and, and lead a race. She took it out in 217.07, but the one I want to focus on there is, is Amy Canavan from Eureka, 217.33, actually... I think was nearly it was in the lead at one stage she came in as the last seed of that race um set a smoking pb as well and i think this is what we would like to see at milers club someone presented a challenge she, i think the day before had been moved into that race from the the previous race yep came in as the the number nine or ten seed and yeah Just went with it yeah went with it and, you know and, and that to me is a standout performance when you see someone like that so canavan you know well done from eureka Maybe with Rod Griffin, I'd say, Amy. I think yeah, so. You'd, yeah, you'd think so. Yeah, so great run there from Amy, 217.33. New PB for her. The B race for women, also pretty spectacular. Sophia yep. Sullivan didn't get a PB, but 207.35, back to... Back in shape, yeah. Back in good shape. And 207.35 to win the B race is, is pretty decent. <laughs> pretty, pretty handy, yeah. Yeah, now, Kelly Heverington was in the field, though. Kelly... Undenard whether we put her in the A race or the B race, but I think the B race was the perfect place for her because yeah, there wasn't much yeah. left in the tank when she went across the line. I was watching <laughs> her finish, and there was every one of those last couple of steps was was painful. Yeah. So I think that is cool. Given yeah. I think um, I don't know whether it was an Achilles or a plantar injury that she had, but I was pretty sure she had to have surgery and she yeah. missed sort of a number of years. And I think that she was definitely wondered whether she'd get back into jogging, let alone you know, yeah. running at a, at a very decent level. Um, yeah. Obviously, has that PB from twenty thirteen of two hundred one. 22 and, yep. and did represent Australia at the World Champs. So cool to see her staying involved. And she's been doing a bit of training with uh, Peter Fortran's group. Yeah, and I've seen her at the track. And, uh, you know, typical Kelly, she just brings something. Um, she's such an upbeat personality. Oh, know, yeah. Despite everything that's gone wrong in yeah. her career. You know, she yeah. has not had an easy career no, at no. all. You know, we won't go into the multiple things that have gone on with, with Kelly, but mm. um, just to see her back out on the train track awesome. with the yeah. girls and to see her racing again. We saw her at Miles, the previous Miles Club just pop in and do some pacing and I think mm. that was a nice little experience for her yeah, just to get the vibe. He's back into it a bit. Yeah, yeah, and to get the feel of racing and what a race feels like. And She she really had a red hot mm. go. Now, in third. One one hundredth behind her. Nearly, nearly took a scalp. Lucy <laughs> Luchford from Collingwood. Um, huge PB. I think it's near, or it's about three and a half second PB. Just screeched through that PB. Yeah, yeah. Now, we saw Lucy 
Lucy at the tail end of last season into this year, I, I think was sort of drifting a little bit. She was a great. She is a great junior. Yeah. But the times were going back to two seventeens and two eighteens and all those sort of things. <laughs> two sixty five. You know, and we saw a sign of this. I think at the previous meet, we we saw that. Yeah, she was coming back. Um, yeah. I think you know, Rue's another one at uh, Collingwood that's also making the step forward. But Lucy Luch for two oh eight sixty five. That's a huge run. More PBs though. Tragus uh, from Box Hill, two eleven forty nine. Chewy Ling Go uh, from Melbourne University. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about her, but I think she came in with a PB of two fifteen. She's run a two thirteen. Jamie Wainwright two fourteen. I think just a little bit of a PB there for her. Gee, what a good race for a B race. Not bad, not bad. And then we do move on to what was what was debatably the the biggest race of the night. Well, it's, it's the highlight race. No, I don't think it's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're starting to get um, this this fun little niche in Victoria where it's almost like the best of the best in in women's eight hundred meter running just turn up on a on a Thursday night and uh, go head to head. Go out like there's free chips on offer for the first 200 and we get to see what happens. <laughs> and what happens in this one, we had five PBs, led, of course, by Katrina Bissett. So 201.27 to win the uh, the women's 800. Tell Huge us what Huge PB. She had run... She'd already run a PB this season to get down to 203 low. I think yeah, it was 203 oh, 03. Yeah. yeah. And she was, she was pretty happy with that. Like, that was, yeah. that was a big surprise at that point, regardless. And then I know going into the race, Morgan Mitchell had talked about the fact that she would like a pacer. Um, yeah. And even if she did or didn't have one, she was going to go out quite hard because I guess the backstory with that is Morgan, obviously, with her, her background in the 400, um, she's been very curious about the ways in which she could approach an eight. Yep. And one of those is getting out a lot faster. Super quick. And it was yeah. 57 through the... Yeah, 57 board. point. And, and probably, a, you know, Morgan would have been close to sort of 27 low through the first 200. So really, really got after it. And, and there was this... Not so much awkward, but there was definitely in each eight hundred. There's a there's a decisive point that whoever's going to win the race needs to either go with a move or make a move or something of the sort happens. And and we saw that weirdly sort of at four hundred and five ish meters, Morgan was starting to slow, not a lot, just a just a, just that fraction enough that um, Katrina and, and Georgia Griffith were starting to run into the back of her a little bit. And Georgia Griffith hats off to her, um, took the initiative and and swung around, and and Katrina went with her. Um, Next thing you know, they were, they were sort of starting to, to make a bit of a gap down the back straight and, and by 2.50, um, I think um, Katrina just sort of swung for the fences there and um, uh, the, the cool thing was she was so focused on trying to win the race because Georgia was so close to her, she didn't really have a look at the clock until she got over the line and, and in what was a, a very cool moment and the crowd sort of clapped along and, you know, there were a lot of coaches standing around the finish line going, oh, wow, you know, like it was a, bit, it was a cool moment at miles. Like that's what you want to see, someone have a real real breakthrough run. Um, and, and similarly, a very good run for Georgia who um, had Obviously, had a few niggles over over winter, and and is sort of racing herself back into quite yeah, good shape. Yeah, racing into consistent shape, and yep. also racing well. So, yeah. you know, look, Katrina took the honours on this occasion, but mm. Georgia's going to have her moments again. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Um, yeah, with with her PB being much closer to, to the low two minute mark, and, and obviously her aspirations in the fifteen hundred as well. Um, it does shape up as an interesting season for her. All right, um, now qualifying for the World Uni Games, so for, for both of them. Yeah, so so both of them recorded World Uni Games qualifiers. So they're in uh, Naples. In, in sort of July-ish. Um, and look, as far as I've heard, Naples is pretty pretty fantastic in uh, in the in, in mid-July. Um, similarly, um, it, it puts uh, puts Bissett up to 21st all-time on the Aussie list, which is, is a nice little nod for someone who's been running seriously for maybe sort of three years. Um, and just shy of that, that World Champs qualifier for Doha, which is yeah. two flat, 0. That's right. So the right conditions, the right race at Nationals, um, we might see a few of these girls really challenge that. 
Yeah, I think I saw on floating around social media the other day, Britt McGowan was, was back in spikes in Canberra doing a session. So there's there's obviously that suggestion that she's back in shape. Yeah, and Carly um, Thomas. Yeah. yeah, and Carly Thomas as well is in, is in really good nick. So, you know, throw Keely Small in the mix and yep. Morgan and, you know, that's, that's going to be one hell of an 800-meter final. Yeah, it's something to look forward to. Now, Morgan finished off with 204.82, so not yep. a PB for her, but no. she, you know, as we said, she had a go. Mm. Actually made it really hard for the pacemaker. The pacemaker was still wide of her at uh, 200 <laughs> metres. So Morgan Very was just on that inside lane and going for it. Yeah. Uh, 206.56 in next position. This is another huge story. Yep. Kind of guessed. Yeah, what a season. She's been, was injured, came back, has had a pretty short preparation. Gets yeah, fourth she, um, at the States and then runs a PB here. I believe she works full-time as a, as a nurse as yep. well. So yep. has really weird sort of training hours in terms of doing sessions solo and night shifts and all yep. that sort of stuff. And what I like with Connor, she's running on pure emotion here. You know, mm. it is. You know, she was a buzz. She was a buzz before the start of the race because <laughs> I saw her going across to her sister on the on the uh, the fence and pumped big hugs and really yeah. pumped that you know, happy that her sister was there to watch. And then just goes and runs and it, she's just running smart too, Sean. That's what I like. So it's not getting. Yeah, you know, she wasn't involved in the pacing here at all. So it's just no, no, no. But and, and then you look at that as well. It's like that's obviously that group effect. There's the yep. seven of the ten starters in in that group are in. Peter Fortune's 800 metre group yeah, so obviously right. it's you know, you, you, even if you are a touch nervous or a bit anxious in a race you look around and you see all the people that you, you know, you're running reps with Obviously, that's a little bit of a calming presence because that's you know right. how things are going to pan out. Correct. And, you know, just behind Connie, you had uh, Shani Landon in mm-hmm. 206.83. Another PB for Gigi McEnany. You know, 207.38, the young lady there is just, you know, look, not taking chunks off. We're not seeing, say, a Lucy Lutz with uh, chunk. Chipping away. Chipping away. And the same for Ali Sanford, 207.53 yeah. in next position. So we're talking here at um, seventh position at 207.53. That's not <laughs> too good. bad. Very and then Molly Blakey, also a PB. Yeah, she's, she's squeezed out another sort of two-tenths there to, to, to get down to 208.17. Um, so obviously enjoying that transition from 400 to 800. Um, yeah, and then we had Katrina Anderson in ninth in 209.35 and Rochelle Kennedy 10th in 213. Yeah, Rochelle put it out early too. She was right in the mix. So yep. you know, obviously couldn't go. come home, yeah. but certainly put it out there. It was good to see her back in A races again. But Very cool. if you haven't seen this race, uh, go to the ASIC TV YouTube and channel. Have a look. It, it is a, a ripper of a race a to watch. It is an absolute Yes, good race. Um, let's have men's? a look at the men. The the men's B. We had um, Elaine Dutton from WA. WA come across. Didn't quite get a PB, but ran one fifty two thirty four. You know, a pretty decent race. But the important thing there, Elaine. Yeah, got a lot of pace going in this race, and guys like Spencer Anderson and Jack Stummer jumped on board. Jumped on board, and I think it's probably big PBs for both. We certainly know with Stummer that's a PB by about point eight. Yep. And we'd be very hopeful that Anderson. I can't yeah. imagine Spencer running quicker than that before. No, sometimes it is it is tricky if if you're listening and you're wondering why we might not have exactitudes. Is um sometimes the IWF does have a profile for an athlete, and sometimes they don't. Um, and where that sort of line sits, we're not entirely sure. Yep. But sometimes you find them. Sometimes Yeah, Lee Llewellyn was in next position. He's been running a lot of pro stuff, and Mm. Lee's come back to racing at miles with that one. One, He said he'd run about 155. He got a 154.45, so bang nice one there. Another one I want to point out to Nick O'Brien from Chilwell, 155.6. So good run, good run in the B race, and yeah, he's the only young uh, developing athlete. He's a good, strong runner though, and I think Nick um, over the four and eight um, has got a lot to give. And another one I like too, the way he races, Jack Lund from St Kevin's. Mm. Uh, He's brave. He's a uh, he's also 
a state medalist in high jump. Yeah. So yeah. He's, he's, he's got, got very, the long, lanky legs. He's got a very yeah. bizarre mix of, of events. And I, I think, um, thinking back to this B race, he, he did go out rather forcefully uh, in the first lap. Yeah. Um, I think he's, I think to run 155, he probably came home in about 62. Yeah. So. Yeah. Brave. You got to test that stuff out. See yeah, what happens. And, you know, and what happens is sometimes they'll then break through. He'll run a yeah. one fifty two or a one fifty three. Yeah, yeah. Strategy. Yeah. When it all comes good together. Good to see. Yeah. No. Good racing there. Men's A race. I think it's much, much, the, much <laughs> over the status quo. Yeah. Like yeah. If we've got Matt Scott in a race. Um, and Grant Muir in a race. Yeah. He's shown it at states. He's shown it at milers. Yeah. Um, he doesn't really have much of an issue with leading. Um, no. Nope. And, you know, obviously he's got that 147.6, uh, I think his PB is. So, not quite there at the moment, but, uh, yeah, as we've reiterated in, um, in a number of distance races, if you keep sort of knocking at the door yeah. of that PB sort of area, you get yourself in the environment where the race is sufficiently quick um, and maybe you run a big time. That's right. It'll be a bit like a Bissett experience. Mm. You might see that he, he can might go to a 146 high yeah, or something. I, yeah. I think that's going to happen for yeah. Scott at some stage because it just keeps going and, and his, his attitude, his ability not yeah. to be afraid of leading, yep. not worrying about pacemakers. And, that, and that's one good thing about Matt. He's not demanding all that sort of stuff of us. He'll just get into a race. <laughs> He's and unassuming. Yeah. Unassuming. And uh, hopefully he has a successful Nationals campaign. True. Grant Muir, so 148.8 for Scott Grant Muir, 149.9, another sub-150. Yep. And then we had Luke Young from New South Wales. He got a PB, 150.15. Big story just behind him, though. We had a national record. Bettos. Bettos from the Cook Islands. Our man from the Cook Islands. Yeah, he ran 150.16. So he Mm. shaved a fair whack, didn't he? It was about uh, nearly a second. Yeah, so he's he's moved over here... um Moved over here to train with Justin Rinaldi's group. Um, did go to the Olympics in 2016. Um, obviously, the Cook Islands are in a very interesting spot there in the sense that I think he was remarking the other day that they've got literally 10 athletes signed up to the National Federation. And it's very much a sort of a club system over there. Um, and it's this sort of idyllic paradise set up of islands. And it's about six hours, I think, from, from Australia by, by flight. Um, but as you said, it's it's not exactly resource central in terms of training partners and tracks and so on. So um, I think they do have one track, though. To be fair, um, and I think it would have been front page news. Yeah, he is. Yeah. It's 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 quite it's quite cute because the, they have a, a well a well maintained Facebook page. So yeah. obviously they've got some a red hot internet connection out there to be getting all these results so quickly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the I think the athletes community over there is very much been following him getting closer and closer to one fifty. Um, and I think there's another couple of guys that are around that one fifty five mark over there. Oh, so really? so yeah, there, there's a few entries for nationals. So wow, yeah, he's obviously great. got some younger guys. Well, there this might be the, the flow on effect. We might find that Alex is actually you know getting yeah you know, yeah kids and, off their backside. He's, he's broke the national record as well this season for the four. He hadn't run one in a couple of years and he was sort of 49-1 at, at um, uh, States at, in Victoria. Um, and he, he definitely is the guy who doesn't just want to be going to major champs because he is from a very, very small country. You know, he yep. wants to get himself to a point where he can actually be relevant in a heat. So I think he's, he's been very blunt about that since he's turned up. So, yeah, all, all, all the best to him and um, it's good to see him chipping away at that PB. Well, question for you, is JR now looking at another nation to try and get another national record? He's got two. <laughs> yeah, well, he's got. Uh, I think um, the New Zealand one is going to take a little bit of work due to, due to who holds it. Uh, Who's got that one? Um, 
I is that think, a Willis? No, no. I think um, they'll murder me if I get this wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's Peter Snell. Right. Okay. Um, it was Ooh, the, it goes back a while. the infamous. It's yeah. I think yeah. it's now that DeBell's records off the books. I think it's the oldest national record in track and field. Really? Um, it was set on a grass track, 880 yards. Yeah. So it was a split. Um, it was the Oceania record for a long yeah. time too. Yeah. So, so it's a lot about Snell, doesn't it? Yeah. A little, little bit of work to do there for for old Mathis, but um, he's he's definitely having a crack. But yeah, he's got the Aussie one and the Cook Islands one now. So yeah, well, see how he goes. <laughs> Bradshaw house mate so you've just got to cook better for him I reckon <laughs> yeah, I know, feed sort the man out. well alright another PB right. in that race too Jacob Breed um, yep. sitting there in about 6 positions so good cool. run for him to, to finish off his season 151.6 so that was good yeah and a few uh, Nicholas Woolley actually New South Wales was only 3 100 yeah, years as well just missed yeah just missed so close. yeah yet again entertaining 800 metre racing mm. uh, but gee that women's race was pretty special and it? it's probably you know when you look back over the history of Milers Club and we've seen some great 800s from the girls I remember yeah. one that um, we really thought Tamsin was going to get this up to at one point, uh, yeah. where she just really went for it. Didn't unfortunately have the last two hundred, but um, this one is one of the standouts. Yeah, and I know I know Kat uh, had remarked that um, she asked quite pointedly after the race. She wasn't sure how many of Tamsin's uh, sub twos were run in Australia, and I think yeah. it's seven or eight of them were in yeah. Australia. So she sort of took that and said, "Oh, well, okay, yeah, doesn't mean it's impossible. It's obviously no. a very big jump from two hundred one, no. but I, I sort of I like that mentality that's amongst the the women at the moment yeah. that it's not you know unfeasible. You don't have it's to definitely not you know, race overseas. But yeah. and now, of course, with that group around that two minute mark, let's let's hope we can see one very soon. Yeah, it'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? So with Milers, as the night rolled on, the conditions just got better and better. The wind dropped basically nothing. And some very, very competitive races right across the board. But I really want to shine a light on just some of the juniors that got out there. We're going back as far as E-races and F-races. And you, you look at, say, Robert White's in the F-race with a 414 massive PB there. Then you move to the E-race in the men's. We'll get, look at men's first. And Mitchell Lang and Jace, uh, Jackson Glover. You know, these are names, Sean, that we've been seeing throughout the season, starting back yep. at the All Schools in November. And someone like Langbourne is a very, very good story. So he took that out in 408. And Glover, another big improver from Western A's. And, you know, as we know, there's a lot of big improvers from Western A's. We'll get onto that a little bit later. But, True. you know, 409.88, probably the first time under 410 there for Jackson. You look at the uh, the men's D, and yet again, it's Buckridge versus George Evick. Uh, Naya Anderson, Van Rensburg, Sin Ita behind them. So, Wow, yeah, some great stuff. 402 uh, for both Buckridge and Georgievic in the D race. So, yeah, they're pushing that four-minute barrier and getting ever closer, and they'll get there very, very soon. And Ida, Jack yeah. Ida back. Yeah, Jack Ida back. One so. of our cross-country season favourites, I think, had a bit of a niggle after all schools. So, yeah. Yeah, good yeah, to no, see him back. 407 for Jack, and yeah, mm. we know that. Darren Dion as well, yeah, Stephen Chaser. There, yeah, uh, one of the Hadfoot boys as well. You know, just really nice mattering of young kids there. The men see... Getting in one of our, you know, we talk him up a bit, Daniel Delberto, mm-hmm. moving to Halebury soon, so that mm-hmm. we believe there might be a bit of a change in coaching structure for a couple of reasons going on there. So Daniel, yep. um, 3.57, Michael Dow not far behind him in the C race, so the, you know, that was a good f- sub-four-minute effort there. Let's have a look at the B race, though, for men. I was actually a bit dirty on this one. We um, tried very, very hard to get pacemakers because there was a few in the field who were very disappointed they hadn't made the A, a race, but with well, 17 or 18 in there. And it's tough to do. They were all sub-350 men, apart from, look, a bit of a discretion on Hussey, but he'd won the mile in the B race at um, Melbourne Uni. Crosby, Crosby getting grief for putting uh, the Melbourne Cup field in the A race. Yeah, well, we did. We copped a bit of grief, but, you know, it's hard to not put a, a 
Shanahan in because of, you know, Shan- Cody didn't run well and he, he knows it because mm. he, was, I think he had, what, 21st the night before? Or yeah, I think there might have been some yeah. mitigating factors there. Yeah, but he's also, you know, doing his apprenticeship and, and trade, uh, Cody does have some very, very long days. But yeah. Hussey was put in the field. That meant that a couple... Hussey had been knocking on the door for a very long had, time. and he'd missed the A race several times by yeah. one spot. So, and discretion. Look, who had, who had the, we'll get there, but when we do get there, I think it's rare. It's rare in the Miler's seating world, but... T, T. Crosby did have the last laugh there. Oh, yeah. Um, and <laughs> we were copying a bit of stick, those from some in the B, saying that they should yeah. have been in the A. And so, what happened in the B? What happened in the B? The pacemakers went out right on target time, 61 seconds. And who so went with them? No one. No one. No one. No. Ah, no. So, fantastic. you know, if you want to run a sub-350, boys, you've got to go and you try and get around in about 61. A little bit faster. Yeah. Yeah, you don't sit back about 10, 15 metres off the paces and wonder why you didn't get there. So, Will McCann, the South Australian, ended up taking it out. He came home very nicely, uh, Team Tempo boy, so um, good one from McCann, 351 to take the win. Kang Nowak, I actually liked Kang's run, uh, he, I think he had a PB around 354, 355 mm-hmm. mark, so he's coming in 352 and he was always well positioned, I think it was one of the smarter races I've seen from Kang, I think he's mm. finally getting uh, an understanding of how to position, how maturing. to work the field. Yeah, he is maturing nicely. Dewar from Queensland, we had two of the Dewar boys down, both running pretty well, so Nick Dewar got a 352 as well, and then Duncan Miller from the ACT, uh, he got a 3.53. Not far behind, actually, Daniel Hamilton. So, gee, a lot of interstaters we had. Yeah, Lucky Scott Australians. was there in sixth. Yep, yep. So, Chris Dahl was also there, I think, an interstater. And um, Ben Covington from Tassie was down yep. there in tenth, uh, down there in 11th. Yep, that's right. So, they'd sort of come from everywhere for this meet. And mm. in that men's B, there was particularly a lot of interstaters. Mm. and um, But probably not many of them rewarded with PBs due to the nature of that became more of a tactical race than yep. just let's go for it yep. um, which was a little bit disappointing men's A race though was definitely a go for it race the a. as a result yeah, the boys uh, definitely was the polar opposite to the B race definitely got after that yeah so Lockie right Lockie Man was brought in to pace and you know when you've got Lockie Man pacing that it's going to be done it's going to be a pretty good job right and it was done right so mm. they requested about 157 58 through the 800 yep. and they yep. got it they did yep so and in the end James Hansen was the one who just had the strength didn't he Sean yeah yeah, I know he, he has run a, a fair bit faster than that sort of a sub-340 guy, but I think at the same time, the manner in which he won the race, he'd take confidence from that heading into nationals. Um, his training partner, Tom Forthorpe, um, was second in 344.89. Who was and third? Then we had two of the probably the biggest breakthrough runs of the night in the 15s. We had Matt Hussey, who might I remind you all, I believe will be eligible as an under-20 next year when World Junior Selection rolls around and has rocketed himself down from about 354 to 345.41. And he came home like his life depended on it. I reckon he would have closed in about 57, 58 seconds. Um, it didn't look, yeah, to me it was just he was moving nicely. It didn't look mm. like there was any massive surge or... Not really, but uh, I remember... He at, looked relatively comfortable doing it. Yeah, at State Champs he knocked off Will Lewis um, who had just come off running 348 in Sydney. Um, and he closed in about 55.5 in what was a tactical race, but yeah, it's, it's hard in distance running to try and draw any sort of linear conclusions from race results, but mm. you thought, well, you know, Will's in really good shape, and if Matt's been able to hold him off uh, in a big kick finish, uh, maybe he's got some shape in there. So, look, 
hats off to him. He's he's been a beleaguered, you know, just miss out sort yeah. of B heat kind of guy. But I think he's he's probably sealed himself in on the A heat there for at least a couple of a couple, couple of seasons. Runs. <laughs> yeah, three forty five. But in his wake, this was another huge performance. Yeah. And it just when I was calling the race, that's the way it always appeared to be. You had mm. Matt, Matt, and then you had. Liam Cashin, um, a training pal at times, I believe, of Matt Hussey, uh, 3.45.93. In fifth, Matt Clark, who did go with all of the early pace, and it it looked rough for Clarky because he had a lot of people running past him, but he didn't really close that slowly. It was just a lot of other guys closed really well. Still around 3.46.37, so still probably a top three or top four run for him. Um, Jared Clifford, back down in a, a department that he'd like to be. Um, has around 345, but has, hasn't really been back down there for a little while. So cool to see him back down at 34637, uh, or 67, sorry. Um, Andre Waring in seventh, 347.08. Um, ben Moynihan, who is a Kiwi. Yeah, uh, I liked Moynihan's run because he was doing a lot of the work out front. Uh, yeah. He was up there with Hanson and 44. So uh, Ben faded a touch, um, and he ran 34839. Um, was a world junior participant in 2014 in. Barcelona um, and has since joined Justin Rinaldi's group. Um, oh, that's news. I wasn't yeah, aware of that. Yeah, he's, okay. uh, he's brand new. He's from uh, he's from Auckland. Um, right. Had been training sort of by himself for about six months and thought, you know what? I need something. Give it a go. Yeah. Um, Tim Logan in ninth, another yeah. sub 350 clock. Yeah, look, I think for Tim that solidifies his position. So it took him a yeah. while to get the sub 350. Now he's done it twice. And yep. that's when you start to believe in yourself. Yeah, Max Stevens, um, who only broke 350 for the first time yeah. at one of our early milers meets at Box Hill. Um, got a PB, I think. Yeah, 349.36 um, will be really one to watch in what should be a, a ding-dong battle at, at Nationals for the National Steeple Ooh, crown. Because yeah. you've got Clarkie there about you know exactly three seconds ahead in this yeah. race over 1,500. And it's weird because Max usually outkicks him in Steeple. So yeah. it's sort of strength versus speed um, yeah. and experience. Um, Isaac Hockey, probably not stoked with that one. Um, I think he was a bit frustrated. He's sort of been bouncing between good runs and not so good runs. He was 11th in 349.71. But I mean, that, that rounded out yeah, 11, 11. guys. Yeah. 11 under 350. Yeah. What a... Look, I know we're, we're still scratching away at that first meet, Milers Club, 1500 record, but... Yeah, 340 um, Surely. Yeah, it's got to go sooner it's, it's or later. It's coming. It's, it's on the way. Yeah, because we've now got the depth. We've now yeah. got a lot of depth coming. Yep. Yeah, look, with Isaac, I, I, I think sometimes it doesn't hurt to have the good and the bad thrown mm. in, and you'll find that... Hopefully with Nationals coming up. Here. Yeah, he still seems like... I've seen him around the track this week. He still seems pretty chipper, so... Yeah, he'll be right because he knows he's got it in his legs. He's, yeah. He won a great he'll, he'll figure it championship. Out. So, yeah. yeah, plus the mile, you know, getting the mile champs as well. <laughs> so he can do it. Um, Pike, 350.08. And also Jack Holden, not a bad run too, 350.35. Mm. So, yeah, it, looks bad. it was an exciting race to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, because I think, you know, you, you came into that race and you, everyone knew sort of what the what the setup was and that everyone was going for it and that if you didn't like it, well, you know, align yourself appropriately out the back and uh, go from there. Yeah, but just watching Hussey and Cashin. <laughs> yeah, last just reeling people in. And, and literally come from nowhere to some launching out of the pack. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, some good racing. Moving on to the women's. And yet again, we're looking down... At 
right back to the E's and the F races. And, you yeah. know, in the E races, Oliver Evans and Ava Cameron, you know, 501s, you know, just missing the five-minute mark. But those two, you know, youngsters, uh, one from South Melbourne, the other one from Glen Huntley, going along nicely. The women's D, I really like that race because Tess Rhodes doubled up. I know Lisa, a lot of Lisa Verstraten's runners on the night were doing the 8.15 double, and mm-hmm. Tess was one of those. She actually took the dash for cash in the 800, which is where we so draw the, a random, random race. And she took that out, and then she doubled up and did a 4.49 to win the D. But also Strugnall. Another one we're sort of watching from Sandringham. Uh, she's coming along quite nicely. And uh, she ran a 4.51, so a good run from her. The C race, this was a really good race. And the names at the top end of the, the women's C were Maladay, um, Westcott, Lazari, Skeltsonis, and then Richardson, Dottermaid, Coltish, Coglin, Turner. All the good young stuff was in this um, this C race. And um, Simone Maladay, interesting story on this one. Uh, when the original time was put in for Simone, it was going to put into the race back, so back into the D race rather Mm. than the C race. And she just said to her dad, I think I'm going better at the moment, so I'd like to be put up to what I have run before. And, yeah, yeah we put her up and look what happened. You know, she, great race between her and Westcott. But Lazari, you know, once again, she's a bit of a speed demon, this one. Uh, didn't quite have it in the end uh, against those two. And then another one, you know, one of our favourites, Skelsonis. Um, you know, another, you know, she's just going along so beautifully at the moment. Mm. Victoria, and I've, I've heard through the grapevine too, we might see her start to target a little bit of mountain running over the, uh, the winter oh, season. There we go. So this could be very very interesting because I reckon Vic's got that sort of attitude for the mountains that we might see her maybe pushing for a spot in that team to go to Argentina later in the year which would be exciting. Not a bad trip. Not a bad trip at all. Uh, the women's C, sorry the, the women's B, let's move on to that one and uh, good to see Talia Hayes coming back so you know, she's business. run a 4, 4.18, had a few issues over the last uh, 12 months but now getting herself back into consistent training and um, yeah, starting to put the sessions behind her so 4.30 after an abysmal first lap. If you have a look at the video <laughs> to later on that first lap, um, I was actually this few points where I was laughing um, at how much trouble she got herself into. So a little bit of having to learn the tactics again. But just behind her, uh, Stephanie Condagonis, and I, what I think was the best track race I've ever seen from Steph. She's been around a long time. A long time. Uh, never really given the 440 a push, a push, but unfortunately just missed it this one with 440.85. But the way she went around it, there was a pacemaker, which was uh, Abby Caldwell. Steph was the only one to really go with the pace and put herself out there to get the 440. The, 440, the magic of the 440 is that that's the national qualifier. Now, it wouldn't have yes. got it to nationals this year, but that's the sort of time that um, Steph would be looking for. And Steph went for it and really, really pushed it. And when got she was passed by Talia... She didn't drop a bundle at all. She just kept doing her thing. Uh, so, a great run there. So, also, you know, some other good ones coming through there are the likes of Vickery. Uh, Georgina Mees is another one to watch for. Um, growing nicely um, under Bernie Blood up at Ballarat YCW. And Georgina... I've good been, name. Yeah. Coming coming through to cross... Or the winter... No, sorry, winter. That's an old term. The XCR season. Um <laughs> Watch out for more for Georgina, particularly as we go to national cross-country. So she's another gotcha. good one to watch. Now, the women's A race was very interesting. Sarah Eckel. Yes. 
Um, Her and Abby know each other well from uh, the World Junior team. But, yeah. Uh, so maybe a, maybe a slight miscommunication there on the, the desired pace. Yeah. So uh, I think they were hoping to go through in about 68. Uh, and I think the first lap was a 64, which is four-minute pace. Yeah. So more a, more a Diamond League pace job than a, than a Vic Miles Club pace job from, yeah. uh, from Abby there. But, but um, you give it to Sarah went with Sarah her. was literally inside her back pocket. So yeah, she was there right, wasn't much right on the wriggle heels. room. Uh, for Sarah, though, it meant that you know, we sort of probably could have predicted this. Bit of a, the last, bit of a late fade. Yeah, yeah, late fade between probably, but only about the last 200, I reckon. Yeah, held she, it together pretty she well. She held it together really, really well. But a bit of a late fade, which allowed Sarah Billings to come over the top. So Sarah took it out in 4.20.95. So, you know, a reasonable time, but just bided her time. Uh, Stouching with Lucinda Rourke, one mm-hmm. of um, our brilliant up-and-coming juniors. And one thing to keep in mind with Lucinda Rourke is she's what? I think she's... Maybe 16? 16, I think, yeah. So the World Junior Qualifier for that age group is usually roughly 422 421.8. So yeah. She's run 422.48, Sean. Yeah, so look, next year, I know it, it, it is early to think about it because our track season hasn't finished just yet. But um, yeah, there'll, there'll be a bunch of these names, I think, from Miles Club that you'll think, oh, they ran well last season. And all of a sudden, they'll be in the frame for possible trip to Nairobi next year. Oh, Nairobi. That'll be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's an interesting place. Yeah, I've actually run on that track. Um, hmm, Interesting. Um, So, Billings, 4.20.95, as I said, uh, just bided her time, had a really good stash with with Rourke and just came over the top and then also came over the top of Eccle. Rourke nearly claimed Eccle's scalp as well, but Mm. uh, was just behind. Stella Radford, next position. Good to see Stella having a good back end of her season. She'll go to Nationals and go back to the steeple, I believe. Did train really well last night, for anyone wondering. Oh, excellent. That's in, good in, in insight. Shape. Yeah, no, insight. it is. Very, yeah, ke- very keen for nationals. Well, let's go back to Zadabek. She was not in shape. No. No. Had the 1,500-metre no. spot and then yep. decided not to take it because yeah. she knew so she wasn't She sort of raced it. into shape, yeah. yeah she has ra- and a good great example of how you do it. So, yep. slow but surely, just get yourself into the races. Yep. Get yourself and back Aaron Rayner stepping up to the 15, yeah. usually more of an 800-metre suspect, yeah, sub-430. No. Well, she's maturing now, so mm. we might see Aaron going forward into sort of maybe even the threes and fives. Who knows? Who knows? Might need to get some inside knowledge from her brother. <laughs> uh, then uh, Brigitte Humphrey uh, also going quite nicely. So she was just the wrong side of 4.30, but a uh, mm. good run from her. Kai Fry, also, you know, our XCR not, not champion. Not wheels for, for an XCR sort of road person. Correct. 4.30.7 is not bad wheels. Mm. So that augurs well for as we start to look into the XCR season. Katie Gamble, I didn't know what to think of that one. 4.30.98. I thought Katie would be further up in that field, but mm. no, nah, look. Yeah, nothing against Katie, but she's had a great season. Yeah. Uh, and let's see where, you know, the next couple of races take her. Yeah. Uh, and then you had Emily Guy. Brooke Hines from South Australia, that was a big PB for her as well. So good to see the South Australians coming over and getting some results. Yeah. I think it wasn't that long ago that Brooke was running around the 439, 440 mark, and she's cranked mm. out a 432. There you go. That is a big step up. And then we had a lot of our regulars like Dixon, Demio, Campton, uh, Hobbs. But Hobbs had uh, doubled in the 800 as well. Okay. So, yeah, it, uh, great, great field. Great mm. field. Um, and some good performances there and, you know, some nice PBs. You know, like Rourke, that would have to be a PB. Um, You'd think so, yeah. yeah so, uh, some good stuff. And, and then, look, good on Eccle. She had a really red hot go. Yeah. And she was just getting rid of some cobwebs as well. So, mm. that was a good way to do that. I'm not sure if she'll go to Nationals or not. I don't know what the plans are. Yeah, I haven't looked in detail yet at the 
the women's 1500 start list, but I suspect she would. Um, so, yeah, I think with the women's 1500 there at Nationals being a little bit wide open with no Lyndon Hall or Heidi Seal, Zoe Buckman at the moment, and Jenny Blundell sort of only having one 200-metre-ish run at Sydney Track Classic and yeah. then stepping off, I think um, it's really wide open for the sort of Madeline Murrays that we've seen at Milers. Yeah, we'll talk about Madeline Tick because um, she had a run in Queensland. Um, yeah. Yet again, had a win. So, you know, it is wide open. Yep. And uh, let's see. And, and, but, you know, maybe with that race, if Eccle does enter, uh, she, you might find her back in, you know, she'll go yeah. sub 420 on the next yeah. run. I'm, I know that. She just will. So, and what more has Billings got to give? True. We'll find out. Interesting to see. Yeah. All right. So that is it for the Milers Club. Very big night of athletics. So, Sean, in interstate action, there's been a little bit happening. We've had Perth and also Brisbane since we last went to air. Yeah, so Perth was the slightly earlier meet, so that would have been just before our, our Milers meet that weekend prior. Um, Usually pretty good conditions over there, isn't it? Yeah, so it is uh, one of the few Mondo tracks we've got floating around. Um, so Warrnambool. We do have Warrnambool. Warrnambool, uh, Canberra, and there was one for the Com Games. Um, so I believe, um, but basically the, the feature race of the night was billed to be the men's 800 metres. Um, it was made pretty clear by Peter Boll and Joseph Ding that they were going to have a very big crack at this World Championships qualifying time of 1.45.80. Um, they had one of their Japanese pals, Jun Matake, on pace, who did a relatively good job in getting them through in about 51 seconds. Um, unfortunately, as, as we can see sometimes in racing, um, the sort of dark horse only because he hadn't raced an 800 in quite some time, was Luke Matthews. Um, did medal uh, for Australia at the Commonwealth Games in the 800 metres. Um, he took the win in pretty stunning fashion, closed extremely well over the last 100 metres to, to grab Joseph Deng and, uh, and sort of kick away. Um, judged the pace well early, wasn't right up on the leaders um, and made his way through traffic from sort of 5.50 onwards. He ran 145.51, um, which I believe, following this sort of pattern he has, last year he did the same thing in Canberra. His first 800 was very good. Um, I think it's the, the fastest, second fastest time he's run since his PB back in 2016, I think it was, where David Radisha ran him around at Lakeside. Uh, so he ran 145.51 um, to effectively well, lock up his spot in the 800 for Doha, depending yeah, on how he goes at Nationals. It was an intelligent run, wasn't it? You know, looking yeah, really at the video footage, you know, he wasn't really a player or a factor, but this is one that mm. you know, kids should be watching. Have a look at you know, how it can be done from yeah, that position. And just back yourself in. And he spoke about how, given his strength is more the 1500, that yeah. competing with guys like Deng and Bowl when they use more of their 400 ability to get out a little bit quicker, um, he really has to judge the race right and not mm-hmm. get caught up in that really fast first lap because he'll cook himself for the second half. So, ran spectacularly uh, in Perth and was rewarded. Uh, Joseph Deng hung on for second in 145.98. Uh, in third, we saw uh, the return of, of Joshua Ralph, another Com Games representative. Did that surprise people on the night? Um, he'd had a few races that he'd suggested he was going to run and then would sort of pull out last minute, but I think he'd run relatively good 400s at the New South Wales State Champs, um, which is usually a good indicator for him. He's, he's very much a, a 400 guy, having competed in the 4x4 for Australia at Com Games and World Champs before. Uh, he ran 145.99. Um, Jai Perrett. Um, who's been a, a real improver over the last sort of two seasons. Um, he broke the 147 barrier for the first time. Right. Around 146.93 from New South Wales. Um, what, what's his age again, Sean? You remind us? Oh, I think he's maybe 20, 21. Great. Um, so really young guy. Um, he's got himself for the World University Games qualifier there. 
I think he's up at UTS in Sydney. Um, trains with Ben Liddy, um, who are out uh, the the Central Performance Group. Um, his training partner Mason Cohen was also rewarded with a PB of one forty seven zero four. Um, World Union Games qualifier as well. Wow! Um, so I think they're the only two qualified at the moment for for That's the eight. Right. Oh, plus. Matthews. Um, so I think Luke is toying with the idea of doing world unis, especially with that, that little point system we've got now. So I think that could be a, a very strong throw to send to, yes, to world unis. Yeah. Um, Peter Bowl faded a bit in the last 100 and ran 147.05. And a really interesting result was Rory Hunter uh, ran 147.58 and was pretty much in a different postcode with 200 metres to go um, and came storming home. Um, and look, that... that I think that makes for interesting reading heading into nationals. He's very much a 1,500 guy. He's run 3.37 before. Yeah, often when 1,500 guys run an 8 PB, bodes well. Yeah, but well, particularly for their pet event. Oh, yeah. We'll jump onto the 100. Um, Jack Hale uh, ran a 100th of a second PB, which it took him, as he said, about three years to crack down on his 10.21 to get it to 10.20. Okay. Uh, Jake Doran, uh, the world junior rep, was second in 10.34, and Alex Hartman was third in 10.44. Um, both Doran and Hartman doubled in the 200, which Rohan Browning uh, ran just the 200. Um, here in 2077 into a 0.1 metre headwind. Uh, Jake Doran was second in 21.09 and Alex Hartman was third in 21.11. The pole vault had a bit of an interesting note on it. Um, I know a few international resulting sites have listed Sasha Zoya as French, um, which could be a very interesting little pot to watch as I know he's spent almost all of his career being trained out at WACE. Um, Did compete at the French club champs earlier this season, but... I don't know. It seems like a mixed bag, Tim. We'll have to wait and see whether yeah, yeah. he's yeah, well, you have mentioned that actually before, competing for France or yeah. where, where his allegiances are going to be mm, stuck, well, I guess. Be a huge loss for us. Would be. So uh, his training partners, Carruthers and Armstrong. Uh, Carruthers won on account back in 5.51 and Armstrong was second in 5.51. Similarly, Zoya was third in 5.40 in the pole vault. Uh, Darcy Roper had an enormous but just windy jump of oh. 8.32. So he's had a little bit of bad luck with sort of 2.1, 2.2 win ratings. Um, but he did set a new PB of 8.11, which oh, that's was good legal. Oh, so really exciting space for him to be in. Well, when luck goes his side, we could be looking at, you know... An 8.30 an sort of jump. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah even to the 8.20s. Yeah. Um, that's going to be good leading through to, to World Champs. What's a qualifier for World Champs? Um, for men, I don't have it just here. Um, I believe it's around the 8.17 to 8.20 mark. Okay. Um, in the women's 800, uh, Georgia Griffith and Morgan Mitchell had a run. Uh, Georgia Griffith was the victor in 203.02. So she's cut down to 201 in basically the space of a week, which yeah. is pretty cool. Um, it's good to see these names just coming out week in, yeah. week out. The, yeah. the girls, are, you know, we've said it earlier, the girls are racing themselves back mm. in the fall. And Morgan Mitchell got second there in 203.86. Uh, to round out the Perth results. Uh, we had a very exciting long long jump comp um, oh, with a rare result. Yeah, <laughs> with uh, both uh, both women Na Anang and Brooke Stratton recording world championship qualifiers. Um, Na managed to turn the tables on Brooke and got the win um, in a PB of six seventy three. Has Na beaten Brooke before? Do you think? Oh, I reckon there might be one in there, but I think it'll be a very long time. Um, effectively, the world champs qualifiers six seventy two. So. Brooke and uh, spot on there, just sneaking over. So 673 and 672. Yeah, so look, I think um, if the two of them can both jump well at nationals, I think barring any magical European performances, that'll that'll lock things in for them, right. which is pretty cool. Um, so that's a that's a really brief Perth wrap, but we do need to that's get right. into Let's Brisbane. Let's move on to Brizzy. 
What do we have, Tim? Uh, yeah, well, just looking through the women's results first. The uh, the hundreds, uh, some reasonable times there. They um, at two point three Tarwin, so mm. they were moving. But uh, some PBs in there, including one to Nana Owusu Afria from Victoria, eleven fifty seven. So that was a good run by her. But Mucci cropped up again. PB of eleven sixty. She's run eleven sixty eight, obviously with a, a Tarwin. So Celeste in this. Sprint stuff Sean is doing mm. extremely well at the moment, so it's good to see. She was ahead of Burkett and also Whitaker, um, two other familiar Victorian names. Uh, women's 200, Nana's come up for a victory there, 2347, about uh, 0.2 off her PB of 23.28. Uh, the wind not too bad in that one, it was a, a tailwind of 1.0, but a good win there just uh, by 1 100 against Zoe Hobbs from New Zealand, and then you had uh, Olivia Eaton also from New Zealand in third. Riley Day in fourth uh, and Maddie Coates in fifth. So, any takeaways from that, Sean? Um, also, good to see some former Com Games reps in Jessica Thornton, who's better known for her 400 running, ran 23.64, and Larissa Pastanaski ran 23.70. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's a few in that women's field who've had, you know, success early season or niggles in the middle of the season and, and we'll just have to wait to see. I guess that is the most exciting thing at Nationals. Whatever your event is, there's really, you know, you've been building up for most of the season to this and now you've got to sort of put your money where your mouth is and we, we get to see some results. Yeah, but Nana's in a good spot, isn't she? Because she's got the two qualifiers now for World Unis and she yeah. seems to be continuing on away. Now she just needs a couple of good ones at Nationals and, um, you know, should be there. should beckon. Mm. Yeah. All right, what about the women's four? Ali Beer, 52-53. Ali Beer is very young and that is yeah. a PB for her. So she's still, uh, I think she's still, she'll be under 17 uh, at Nationals this year, but I don't, I'm, I think she's just turned 16. So, pretty phenomenal run for her. And it was cool to see Tams and um, Lewis slash Manu uh, on hand um, to do the interviewing. Um, and Ellie admitted that she was just really stoked to be in the race uh, and that she shall be running her age group at Nationals, which mm, is cool. Great. So, she's not in a rush to start jumping in the open comps just yet. Yeah. Um, she did knock off some pretty big names in Caitlin Jones, who ran 52.79, and Lauren Wells running 53.18 there. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's good yeah, to see we, a junior. We just do see these junior talents pop up, and as you said, just stoked to be in the race, and then takes the win as well. Well, well often it's because they haven't got that weight of expectation on them either. They're excited, they're in a big race up against big names, and then just go for it. And she obviously got a, you know, would have had to get a pretty good start out there. And then <laughs> yeah, hang on to those two. Yeah, on. yeah, it's great. Good to see. All right, Madeline Murray mentioned her a lot. We haven't mm. seen a lot of her in Victoria actually lately. She's done a no, few races here at Miles, but she's been travelling around the countryside and getting track results. Classics, yeah. yeah, so four, twelve, sixteen to take out the 1500. Very good time. Uh, yeah, let's just Great Britain and Northern Ireland because, you know, if you have... She has run European cross-country yeah, for so GB. she has declared there for UK. Mm. Uh, Jada Hancock-Cameron, 418 in second position, the young girl from New South Wales. That's about what she's been running. So as Jala comes to the tail end of the season, I think that's about where she is. Let's see if anything happens going to... Well, when she goes to Nationals too, she'll be running age group again. Might not have a lot of competition. So I think, you know, mm. that just sub-420 is about where she is. Georgia Hanson though got a sub four twenty, so happy for that. Yeah, back back in uh, back in shape. Good to see. Yeah, so four nineteen seventy five for Hanson, just ahead of Urbaka. So. And then we had the uh, the usual suspects up against some international comp in the hundred meter hurdles. Mm. Celeste Mucci once again thirteen thirty two, not too far behind Michelle Jenicky. Mm. Yeah, you seem to think this is this is if she wasn't doing hep, this would be the event. I think so. I think um, this or a little bit of long jump, but probably, yeah, the hurdles. I think yeah. her ability to medal um, 
at Nationals in an event which is not, you know, her entire sort of deal. Um, yeah, is, but is I think her consistency in hurdles is probably better than the consistency in the jumping at the yeah, moment. Yeah, I, and, you know, who knows? I, I don't pretend to know what goes into a heptathlon training diet. I'm sure it's rather complicated, but, um, yeah, we'll it'd, be, to, it'd be a fun experiment to see what would happen. Yeah, no, we, we'll have to actually chat to Clarkie at some stage, I reckon, just mm. to you know, Try get the insight. On yeah, bit, yeah, how do you do it? Mm. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Uh, the long jump, we had that reversal here, so Brooks come out and had the win and once again got a world qualifier, world mm. champs qualifier, 74. So she improved on two by two centimetres on her previous. And, uh, just under. Just six, under six, 69. 69. But it's a nice dynamic now that, you know, Brooks rolling out mm. to these comps and knows that she's just actually got to produce. Off qualifiers, yeah. Yeah, but she's got to produce to win. Um, which is yeah, a because look, for her. Andrea Thompson not completely out of the picture there with 6.35. Yeah. Um, and Chelsea Gench back jumping was a previous, I think she was a, an Olympic rep. Yeah. I think she's had surgery, so back in business-ish. Uh, women's triple jump, Ellen Petit, uh, 13.22. Yeah, that's getting so really up yeah, there. Getting out there. Um, did have a couple of fouls in there, but managed to, to get on the board there in the third jump. Uh, took the win from Aaliyah Johnson, who jumped 13.09. Why only two competitors, Sean? That, after what I we had know. at State Champs, I just find that a little bit... Um, I don't know who might have travelled up there, but um, yeah, it is a little bit odd given... Well, also, when you look at it, it means that... I'm not sure how they do the timing, but it means the girls are not getting that much of a break in between jumps. Yeah, right? yeah I don't attest to being too familiar with the field event rules, but um, I, know, I think the IWF did change back from that previous quite short rule to the older rule, effectively, in terms of timing, but it is still... A a short turnaround if you only got two jumpers as opposed to the yeah the, you know, the sort of nine that you had in the women's yeah. long jump yeah what's well um yeah which I, I think might have you know impacted perform but mm. then again might be good for it thirteen twenty two keeps them yeah. warm and uh, yeah. that came in on the third jump as well talent yeah. uh, we move here to the women's discus Taryn uh, Golshuski uh, one in fifty five fifty nine but our uh, resident. Uh, yeah, discus yeah. expert Kim Al- Mulhall. Al Kim Mulhall. Correct. She got second in fifty-four, fifty-four, yeah. and had a very consistent series as well. So I yeah, think which is what we're getting used to. We're pretty happy about that. She's hoping to get up around that sixty range. Yeah, soon. Uh, women's jab was definitely almost one of the biggest events of the night. I'd say with uh, the world number one in Catherine Mitchell taking on world number eight. Kelsey uh, Barber. Yep. Um, so Kelsey got the win in 62-65 and Catherine was just back there in 60-73 for second. Isn't it good to see Catherine Mitchell back? Yeah, obviously had a bit of a, a little bit of time away from the sport, I think, post-com games, but is uh, is back out there throwing again, which is awesome. Um, and Tori Peters of New Zealand was third, keeping everyone honest there in 59 95. Well, it's actually a good comp, isn't it? 59, 60, 62. So mm. that's going along quite nicely. Oh, what else we got? Let's go to the men. Men's... Oh, yeah, there's I've lots to talk about here. I've, with the men's up here I've flicked my page over wrong. Bear with me. Um, but, yeah, the men's, we were, uh, we were very much treated. Um, I know the, the Japanese sort of part of their, their big sprints group have had a training camp at the Super Sports Centre up in uh, up on the Sunshine Coast for about the last month. Um, and the enormous draw card there is a gentleman uh, who some of our listeners might not be familiar with um, but did hold... At one point, I'm not sure if he still holds it or not, the world youth record for 100 metres is a gentleman by the name of Yoshihide Kiryu. Um, 
He Do you pronounce those Japanese names really well? No, I'm, I'm trying. I've got to brush up. I'm going to get better with all the new uh, Japanese friends we're making. Mm. So he is Japan's only man ever under nine ninety uh, under ten seconds. So the national record did sit at ten flat for quite some time, and now they've got a few guys right there. Um, so it was awesome to have him down. Um, and another guy that was in the race who was part of that Rio silver medal four by one team um, was Asuka Cambridge. So he he was a fair ways back. So not such a good day for him, but. The cool thing about having Kiryu here is that he managed to have quite... He had an awesome start, and the man in the lane next to him was Rowan Browning, who had an excellent start similarly, and they basically just went toe-to-toe for the length of the length of the straight. Um, so, 10.08 for Browning. Is that a PB? It's a PB. It's a World Champs qualifier. Um, I think it's the third fastest time ever by an Australian, uh, only behind... it 2.0. Perfect. Let's, let's not just say a word about that. Watch. We'll just push that along. Yeah. Um, so, Browning only sits behind now uh, Matt Shervington at 10.01, I believe, and our um, national record holder in Patrick Johnson, who ran 9.93 in Japan. So, look, it's amazing for Browning because I think it was the, it's the equal fastest time we've had in Australia in 12 years. So, there's often even a greater stigma around running fast in Australia because if... I think in the 100, it's just that, that in-race sensation of having someone literally right next to you running yep. at the same pace and yep. being able to coordinate yourself moving at about 10 metres per second, which yep. I'm told is pretty hard to do. We will um, never know, will we? Oh, I definitely would not know. Uh, Jack Hale in third, another PB. So it's taken him about three years to go from 10.21 to 10.20, but he skipped right down to 10.19. Yeah. So he did run a relay before with some of the sort of tentative early um, Aussie relay pool squads. So he joked that maybe that was a good warm-up. Possibly um, was. Um, yeah. Next Australian down is Alex Hartman, 10.27. Yeah, so, so Hartman Bit of a gap to, from between Hartman. Hartman was a little bit behind, so he was just behind um, Takuya Kawakami from Japan, um, who is another sort of younger guy there, 90, 95 born. Yeah. Um, oh, not really, he's 24. No, my maths is horrible. Um, 10.24, 10.27 for Hartman. Doran staying consistent around that 10.30-ish mark, so he's 10.32. Um, and yeah, then we had uh, Kim Kuyong uh, of South Korea in 10:32, and Asuka Cambridge in eighth in 10:35, and Daisuke Miyamoto was ninth in 10:44. So a very deep 100 meter race. It certainly was. Now let's talk relay though. So you've got Browning down at 10:08. Um, yep. Hale, you know, he's a Monty now for the a relay spot. 10:19. Yeah. Yep. So then you've got Hartman, Doran, but you've also got guys like Clark and. Franco. Yeah, so Clark, I actually don't think he's run a race since the Com Games. He did look pretty heavily strapped up for the Com Games to get through. And I think that's the hardest thing with some of the 100-meter guys. Sort of all the, I guess, the, the mechanics and the training and the time you need to spend running at that speed to get back in that sort of race shape um, can be very difficult. And I know Browning's spoken at length that training is, of course, a very good indicator for him. And that when things are going well in training, he feels for him uh, anyway, it directs much more. It translates much more directly, but yeah, you know, I guess there's debate around um, for some of the more injury-prone hundred-meter guys. You know how much time they can afford to have in training at race pace, and then you know how much practice they need to then be able to execute on the day in a race. Which, as Browning pointed out, it's great that he's got the world champs qual, but he's looking to become that kind of guy all the time. Yeah, um, because he'll need to run those times to get through heats and semis and so on if he wants to be a real sort of 
player in the 100 metre world. Now you look at the B race though, and you've got Zach Holdsworth for 1038. Uh, same mm-hmm. wind rating of 2.0. Yep. Where does he sit in the picture as well? Was he up there for the relay programs along um, with Despard? I was think, there yeah, at I think he did have a run in the relay uh, program earlier in the yeah. night, yeah. Um, and was one that burst through at Canberra a little yeah. earlier in the in the year. And yeah, you've got. Um, yeah, Doran has run that 10.15 in Finland, but we're yet to see him replicate that yep. sort of pace. And they'll um, have to be doing it over the next few weeks. Yeah, well. especially with yeah. World Relays coming up this year in, yeah. in Japan. Um, and then you've got Branko, who's probably you know, maybe more of your back straight specialist with yep. a guy like Hartman that they look to include, being a big, tall 200-metre runner who's run 10.33 and, and, and 20.63. So I think, yeah, a lot to think about for Jack Hale's coach there. He's also the national relay coach at yeah. Markham. Now, um, well, but a good problem to have. Yeah, Moving on to the 200, you've got Hartman doubling uh, up there mm-hmm. with uh, Yoshihide. Did I say that right? Yep. Kiryu? Kiryu. Um, he, he ran a PB. He ran a 2039. Good trip to Australia. Yeah, no, it's working well for yeah. him, isn't it? But it's also, as you said, it's fantastic for the Australians to have yeah. a field like that. So Hartman had someone to tag along with. Yeah, so that uh, his PB is 2045 and he's run 2059 Hartman, so, yeah, not, so not too far off. Pulling, pulling it together at yeah. you know, a really good time with, yeah. with Nationals coming up. Yeah, they had the, the benefit of a 1.5 um, tight win, yep. but um, yep. it was still, you know, that's a good run by Hartman once again and really um, consolidating a, a good night for him. Yeah. So that was the 200. What 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 do you think about um, Yoshihide? Obviously, this is a good <laughs> campaign in Australia. Yeah, I, I know, obviously, with their, you know, they're hosting both World Relays and the Olympic Games. Mm. Their focus is 100% that 4 by 100 metre relay. Really, yeah. But I think Kiryu as well would look to, you know, take advantage of a home games. And, you know, if someone like him could sneak into a final, that final would just be the national rapture 101. Crazy. Um, so, yeah, we did manage to see two of their um, national relay guys down here. Um and, yeah, so we were just missing uh, Izuka and Yamagata, who are the other two members of the team. Yep. Um, but, yeah, look, if, if anyone's – there's a really good article on the IAAF Spikes website about basically how their team, you know, came into Rio, had no one under 10 seconds, were all between 10.01 to 10.22, but ran 37.68 and 37.60 to take silver. So very much a relay team that I think Australia will look to emulate yep. in the sense that, you know, they've proven you can have, you know, a lack of 9.8, 9.9 guys and just have together. exceptional yeah. baton changes Correct. and knock off other teams. And work as a team. Yeah. All right. The men's four, interesting name leading that one, Julian uh, Drummy Walsh. Walsh. I think he's one of the – there's a couple of guys involved in Japanese athletes who have, a, I think, a little bit of a Jamaican heritage. Um, really? Cambridge okay. is one. Um, he was born in Jamaica and moved over to Japan when he was two. Actually, doesn't speak any English, so right. very much Japanese as they come. Um, and I think Walsh is another one. So um, first five there, yeah. all Japanese athletes. So big, big turnout from them. And I think they've got another big amount of athletes coming over for nationals. Fantastic. So. Now, we know you're great at your Japanese names, so we won't get you to go through all six. I think I'll go through all six. Because in sixth position, there is a story for us here. Because Luke, Luke Stevens, Stevens has run 46.91. Now, his PB is 46.05 from 2016. He's back He's in the ballpark. headed in the right direction and mm. yet again being at a race where the winner's 46.28 and he's come through for at 46.91 that's a race and that's you know, no, he's right in the mix. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. cool again for him to have a, a field that strong to to sort of tack onto. Yeah, now men's eight probably a bit near that yeah, one. Yeah, a bit of a fizz. There was a lot of talk pre-race that Josh Ralph was supposed to run um, but ended up I think he had a hamstring problem so didn't run. So just a couple of guys under 150. No pacer. Yeah, yeah. so Mason Cole flew up there and had a crack uh, 149.43 and what 
ended up being a little bit of a tactical affair. Uh, Rob Lister, who is a 147 man, was second in 149.51. James Preston, the Kiwi, who's run 147, he was 150.04. An affable buddy of ours, Jun Matake, he was 151.7, so he was a little bit disappointed being a 147 guy. Um, Better staying in Victoria. Probably. um, Grant Muir. Um, busy man, 152.09. Jared McCullough from Queensland, a youngster, 152.30. And Alex Pettigrew rounded out the field in 153.73. Now, the men's 15, though, a bit of a different story here because there were paces and the paces did a pretty good job. Sort of kind of did the job, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, Luke Matthews fell a bit short there of his initial target and ran 3.40.53 for the win. Uh, big gap back to Cal Davies, the world under 20 rep in 3.46.10. And Adam Fogg, uh, a near miss for the world juniors last year in. 346.35. Yeah, so apart from Luke and you know, the, the two younger guys there, Davis and Fogg, they're good quality runners and mm. uh, getting around nicely. So they'll be, both be 20 this year, so they're moving into senior ranks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not much to write home about with that race. So Nicholas Hoffbow in the 110 hurdles still mm. getting around, 13.64. Yep. And then uh, Teo uh, Kanai from Japan, 1373. Yep. Other brief highlights. Australia securing their spot for the World Relay Championships in the 4x4. Excellent. Uh, 303.67. And some very big splits from the likes of Ian Halpin, Tyler Gunn, Alex Beck and Steve Solomon. Good to see Solomon back. Now, men's high jump, nothing. Well, let's skip that one. Nothing to write home about there at all for the Australians. No, that was very much a New Zealand, South Korea dominant. Field and let's go to long jump, Darcy yeah. Roper again, 805. A lot of consistency around that, and he'll be very happy. And Henry Smith at 790. Uh, Miss Trefsky will be disappointed, though. Yeah, yeah, I think he joked that he'll have to pull it all together for nationals. All right. Yeah, so Matrevsky was talking about the fact that he's had a bit of a, a, bit of a mixed prep. Um, in terms of coming back off a bit of a holiday after the Common Games. But, look, oh, we've got full faith in the Athletics Essendon man that he'll pull it all together with that Johnny Boas group and um, find himself up there in the mix come Nationals. Uh, we move down to the triple jump. Oh, this will test me. Uh, Ismail Mohamed Hakimi from Malaysia took the win in 1647 with 3.1 metre tailwind. I figure he'd be pretty happy to be out at that distance. Uh, and Emmanuel Fakier of Australia, uh, Com Games rep, jumped 1624. And Elwyn Jones, uh, consistent as ever, out there at 16 metres. Um, all, all were wind illegal jumps um, for for Kia and Jones in terms of the winning distances there. But, um, look, good to see everyone getting out there to big distances before Nationals. Yeah, excellent. Now, men's shot put, uh, Damien Birkenhead is back, 1941, not quite at that 2021 20, metre mark, but... Um, trending in the right direction. Trending in the right direction. Aidan Harvey was second, 1806, and Courtney Hines, another Australian there, 1738. Mm-hmm. Matt Cowie, the new Victorian, 1666, <laughs> our Victorian champion. Mm. Men's discus throw, Matt Denny, 6485. I believe the world champ's got Far is 65 metres for discus. Ooh, so that, that tick off. Yeah. yeah but did have a really good series. So yeah. 6358, 6485, 6306, 620, a little foul, and then 6362. So yeah. I think, you know, he's right there. 
Uh, Mitchell Cooper, second, 58.12. Um, and let's go finish off here with the Javelin because we had a PB there. We always Big love PB. PBs. Actually, no, we're going to go to the walk after that. But the PB, mm. Liam O'Brien. Do you know much about Liam? He's coming in for a deal. 81.36. It was a two metre PB. First time over 80. Mm. We think World Champions qualifiers um, 82. 82. Oh, oh, I believe. So, so he's getting Scratching close. the surface. Yeah. And, you know, who else will be thereabouts? I'm not Peacock sure. So Peacock has been out there before in terms of that 82-metre distance, um, yeah. but he isn't quite there at the moment. No, he's uh, 10 metres old, 9 metres off at the yeah, moment. Yeah. Will White was second in 76.48. Yeah. Peacock third in 72.85. Um, and one junior who is basically making the step up to that open jab is Nash Lois, who's actually the reigning... World right. Junior Champ for Jav. So, it's a small field, but a quality field um, out there at the Queensland Track Classic. All right, and just to wrap on Brisbane, uh, we did have the local up there, Dane Birdsmith, win the 3K walk in 11.01. Yeah, and I'd, I'd say... Um, both huge walk by him, but also Katie Haywood in second. Mm. I believe that's a world best for yeah. the under-20 uh, athlete in the distance, 12.10. Great. So if anyone is listening and does go for a 3K timed run at any, any point in time, just think 12.10 or 11.01, and that's race walking, which is not bad. So Haywood's sort of a new name on the block, isn't she? But moving a little bit, quite but nicely. the last two years or so, she's been shredding through just about every national record she can get her hands yeah. on. Excellent. Um, and, yeah, I guess just an interesting point for listeners as well with Dane Bird-Smith um, did come out with a, a really interesting campaign this week in conjunction with the AIS. The AIS has uh, allocated additional funding to uh, basically the high-performance sports funded programs around Australia for every different sport and athletics will have access to this. Um, access to um, psychologists um, in your own state, I believe, like through your NAS high-performance sort of setup program. Um, Bird-Smith spoke about um, some, some really difficult times he'd had after the Commonwealth Games in um, or it might have been after the Olympics. I'm, I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and check. But, um, yeah, just spoke about, you know, having, I guess, thoughts that concerned him a lot in terms of where his mental health were, was was at. Um, and, yeah, just realised that he had to talk to someone and sort of, I guess, pushed on that campaign of, you know, saying it's, it's okay to, to not be okay. Um, and even for a guy that, you know, sort of looked like he was on top of his sporting yeah. world, um, obviously other stuff in life was... Sort of not helping him. Um, well, it's sort yeah. of the insidious thing about mental health, isn't it? You, mm. you look at someone, you think you from know, the outside. Yeah, yeah, from the outside, they look you like they've got, got their sorted. stuff together, and yep. um, you know, on top of the world. But yeah, you don't know what's happening internally. Definitely. And, and for someone like Dane, yeah, and you know, I've, I've known Dane for a little while. He's a mm. you know great guy. Really, yeah, can be a bit intense, but um, it's great that he's came out, and mm. it, particularly with his profile. Oh yeah, this is huge. Yeah. This is saying to a lot of the younger athletes as, as well. Yep. don't be afraid to, yeah to and, and it was it. cool on social media yeah. to see how quickly it got picked up yep. by other sort of Olympic and world champs yep. sort of team members that reiterated the, the fact so yeah look yeah. Kath Mitchell's been up front with this as well and that's yep. why it's so good to see her back out yep. throwing again. so def- yeah. definitely you know if that's something on your mind there are plenty of options out there for help yeah There's been a lot of discussion, particularly on social media and you know even on other podcasts and things. People are getting this whole thing about qualification for Worlds or Olympics totally wrong. They're just not looking. <laughs> it's quite simple if you read the documents 
properly, not yeah. just look at what people are writing on social media and, and, and everyone getting as you know, head of steam saying, oh, it's so unfair, I'm not going to, you know, I need to do this, this and this. Actually read the stuff. So, Sean, you know, you're... I would call an expert on this and <laughs> you you are very pragmatic about the way you go about researching and the key thing here is what just read the documents yeah so I think the thing that scared off a lot of people and, and something that got a really bad rep on social media was effectively when the 2020 Olympic qualifiers were released they are very difficult but they're very difficult for a reason and as is noted in a number of documents um, the, the look is they're not trying to get 100% of the field through qualifying times the IOC and the IAAF are looking to get a about 50% of the field um, through the automatic qualifiers and then the rest of the field in what they're sort of shaping as an attempt to make athletics a bit more exciting and accessible um, for new fans really um, is by implementing this point system. So they're looking to get that second half of the field off the point system um, and that is something that Australians I think personally can um, very much use to their advantage um, and can, you know, if, you, if you're able to select the right comps, if you know what the realities of your event are, you know, if you're an event that has a great deal of depth in terms of three per country or you're an event that has a lot of depth you know, with only one or two athletes per country, that'll basically determine the difficulty of your event. Um, and the qualification system but you know be aware of your field size for Tokyo be aware of you know what comps you're entering how they're graded you know all this information it's not it's not secret it's it it's on the IAAF website so if you know, if you're someone who's really serious about you know having a crack at Tokyo this is stuff you need to be mapping out now because the qualification window for track you know will open up on off the top of my head May 1 I think um, I say yeah, that marathons and walks already open yeah already open so you know, a lot of athletes, I worry, will get to the start of 2020, realise they're in a mad scramble to get points and get into big comps when, you know, there is... Do the a, planning a, now. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of permutations of it, but, you know, one thing a lot of people might be quick to jump on is say, oh, look, results that are 10 months prior to the Olympics um, or earlier do have a, a decay or they, are, they do decline in value. True, but there are events that you have access to, you know, that will earn you enormous points, basically, and... Look, regardless of whether that's going to be 12 months, 11 months or 10 months before Tokyo, there are steps you can be taking now to set yourself up in a good spot for your event. You know, be aware of whether you need five performances to, to you know, to get your performance averaged. Be aware if you need three, you know. Yeah, and, and also, it's things like be aware, is the Oceania Champs something that you now have yeah. to circle yeah, rather which than which nominations say, do close for on the 7th of April. Correct. <laughs> so, you know, these are the things that yeah. are going to, that can have a yeah. fairly big uh, ramifications and on where you end up. one thing that is... I wouldn't say it's a pet hate. I just think it's a frustrating misconception is that a lot of people, especially marathoners, um, and I know Brady Threlfall from Inside Running and I did have a chat about this the other week, and not you know, not his fault, he's got a thousand things going on, but he did point out there was a little bit of a misquote. Um, you can qualify for the Olympic marathon by virtue of either a performance standard, which is a time. Um, I think it's 2.29.30 for the women, the women and yeah. 2.11.30 for the guys. Yeah, which um, is reasonable. Yeah, yeah look, and uh, look, it's, it's, a much, it's a much bigger moral conversation, but yeah, it's great for people to go to the Olympics, but yeah, when there's... The, they're only sending three Kenyans. They're only sending three Ugandans, three Ethiopians. Yeah, you're you may not be in the picture. And yes, there are tactical permutations to hot yeah. weather slower races, but largely, yeah, you need to be there for ballpark reckoning. Uh, nevertheless, um, the 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 number that people were getting hooked up on was if you finish top five at a gold label race, that qualifies you, or if you finish top ten at a world marathon major, that qualifies you. Now, a lot of people were very quick to try and find the 
most awful gold label race they could come up with. One, unfortunately, that does pop up very quickly Sydney. is the Sydney Marathon. <laughs> now, a few things that people may not have considered. In a gold label race, you have to invite a certain number of people of a certain standard. They need to be ranked top 100 on their continent. That's now, right. They've got to be labelled athletes, basically. Yeah, even if you look at that Sydney... A uh, few things. Sydney course, yeah. not quick. No. Sydney course... No pacemakers. So, if you look at the top five from last year's race, yes, the times are not lightning, but they are not chumps. These are not people that are actually 216 athletes. These are guys and you know girls that have all run substantially faster than these race outcomes. They're and there often, for the money. Yeah, they're exactly. There for, That's yeah. what I was going to say. Often their motivation is to take home a bit of coin from oh, all of these races yeah, and then move on to the next one. And yep. if suddenly you've got a crop of Aussies in that field and who might be challenging them, yeah. guess what? They'll lift their stand. Yeah, and yeah. you look at the world majors as well. The thing that I think people miss there as well is the, the drop-off in some of these world marathon majors from the top four or five, really. Yep. Sure, the top 20 on the entry list might be spectacular, yep. but the top 20 all go with the top one. So, the the explosion that can happen around 30 well, That's right. And we saw that example of Ali Pashley coming mm. 14th in Nagoya mm. in a time that wasn't far off what might get you 5th or 6th in London. Yeah, and, and we've seen that as well in places like London with Trengove going oh, well, top 10 of the world champs, namely, but in terms of world marathon majors themselves, we've had Liam Adams come ninth in Berlin, which is regularly yeah. the fastest marathon for a winning time yeah. in the world. Um, and yeah, I, I think yeah, you know, Lisa Waitman, I think, as well at Chicago, fifth uh, at London, London. Yeah, so basically, do your research. If if you really think you have a genuine or even an outside chance at making Tokyo, you need to be doing your research now. Good summary there, Sean. Yes. Um, to roll on to an event which we do have full teams being sent for, which is very exciting, is World Cross Country this weekend. Yes. Um, I'm excited. Okay. Again, I, I don't mean to talk people to death, and I know we do have a bit of a distance bias at current with the events available, but if you are a youngster who is into any athletic event, this is largely considered the most difficult foot race to win on earth every two years. And this one's going to be very difficult, apparently. Yes. So early uh, assessments of the course are that it's quite difficult. Uh, Matt Baxter, who's a Kiwi competitor, has a very funny, uh, I guess, assessment of the course on his Twitter. Um, well, I'd recommend people actually look that up because yeah. Sean read it to me before and it, it's hilarious. It's frightening, but it's hilarious. <laughs> the way he's worded it, actually, he's, he's got a way yeah. of words there. Yeah. And, um, so and, and he, Matt, Baxter, Matt, so Baxter. Matt Baxter is a guy that attended Northern Arizona University who are basically a dynasty in cross country uh, and they won multiple national team titles. So this is, this is not a guy that ran yeah. cross country courses that were golf courses in the US. He ran actual cross country courses so yeah and being from new zealand i have it on good 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 uh good belief that their national cross course is pretty hard as well so nevertheless you, you get this awesome mix of guys from even 1500 sometimes all the way through to the marathon right. well, um, who have we got who are your tips for this one so um in the men's and the women's um the, and you can look into this a lot deeper but the major battles will be between basically the kenyan ethiopian uh ugandan an American team, almost, strangely enough. Um, and in the women's, it'll be a very Kenya v. Ethiopia affair. But um, in the Kenyan national team, we have a guy, Jeffrey Camerawar, who is on the precipice of joining what is a pretty elite club, which is winning World Cross Country, the senior race, three times. He's, run the, he's won the World Junior Race once, and he's won the World Senior Race twice in China and Uganda. Um, he's a World Half Marathon champion. Um, he's won World Championships on the track. Uh, he is an absolute monster. And I reckon he really gets his due, does he? Because well, he's, he's the training buddy of Eliud Kipchoge, yeah. so it's it's awkward for him. Well, he, because he walks in that shadow, but yeah. you look at that as a very, you know, to win 
World Cross once yep. is special. Yep. Twice is And he and you wonderful. were at this race, Tim, yeah. but he has a ridiculous list of accolades. This yeah. is a guy who closed the last 5K, albeit, yes, with a tailwind yeah. and a bit of a downhill course in yeah. Valencia. Yeah. He was sub-13.10 for the last 5K. He was sub-740 for the last um, 3K, I think. Or he might have been 743, but... This is a guy who is frightening on his day. Um, yeah, and you don't want to be near him towards the end. And, no. and similar to the World Cross at Uganda, which mm. I also saw, that was yeah. a, just a fantastic finish. Yeah, so he yeah. has a funny little knack of when he does do very well at World Cross Country, he, he, he's never won the World Cross Country trial for Kenya, <laughs> um, which his manager jokes is usually because the shape you need to be in to win the trial is too hard to sustain to carry yeah. over into World Cross. Yeah. So he was fifth again this year at the trial, so he yeah. snuck onto the team, um, but he'll be good to go. Um, and we get to see a reprisal uh, of that battle that he had with um, Joshua Chepter guy who went out far too hard in Uganda on his home course and fell in a heap yep. about 2K from the finish. And that was very hot. sad to watch. Yeah, struggle to the finish. Um, but yeah, Kenyan team is outrageous. They've got Ronex Kipruto, who is the world junior champ. Um, saw that race in person, and it was staggering watching an 18-year-old just tick off 62 to 64 second laps. Um, he's run 26.46 on road. Um, they've got Amos Karui, who's, yeah, the third guy on the team. Uh, bronze medal at the Commonwealth Games for Steeple. Ran 11 steeples in 2008, so 2018, so he was a busy guy. Didn't break 8.12, but his PB is 8.08. Um, Paul Tanui has medalled at four straight outdoor global champs for the 10K. Didn't make the team. Um, <laughs> Rogers Quemoy is basically an afterthought. Um, he's run 27-25 on the track for 10K and 13-18. And it's like, oh, yep, he's on the team as well. He's, he's 22. How would you like to be a selector for Kenya? Oh, I mean, absolute <laughs> nightmare. Um, Ethiopia, similarly, are bringing some very big guns in Salman Borrega. Yes, that same guy who ran that same race with Stewie in Brussels. Um, he's run 7.37 and 12.43 for 5K. Um Sponsor Dita, um, I believe, was a bit of a surprise winner at their trial and was 10th in 2017. Uh, and Mogos Tume is also a guy to check out from Ethiopia, so they've got a very strong team. Um, Uganda uh, have, of course, got jo- uh, Jacob Cheptegai, who has run uh, 12.59, 10,000-metre silver medals at World Champs, 26.49, and holds the world record for 15K on the road at 41.05. Um, Jacob Kiplimo is back. He's 18 and has run 13-13, 27-26, but has run 26-41 in Madrid on a road course that's just a tiny bit downhill. Yeah. Um, was also the world junior cross-country champ in 2017. Yeah, um, that was big. And look, when you get to the others, just yeah. the other blokes that are turning up, you've got Shadrach Kipchirchir from the USA. Um, Eritrea, you've got uh, Aaron Kifley, um, who, again, these are the kind of guys that, that commentators go, mm, maybe. She's on 1307, 27.09 and 59.51. Uh, was good to see in one of the Let's Run write-ups. Um, a big Aussie name, Stewie McSwain, got to mention there, 1305 man. Uh, New Zealand will send Matt Baxter and Canada as well will send the current uh, NCAA 10,000 metre champ in Ben Flanagan. So the big one to watch is if Cameron can get the win. He joins a very elusive club of four gentlemen who've won World Senior Cross Country three times. 
a bit trickier for Camera War as well now because it's in the every two year cycle. It used yep. to be every year. Um, but Car- he then goes to the World Half and wins that. Yeah, so Carlos Lopez, John Ngugi, Paul Turgat, and Kenanisa Bakili are the only guys to win it three times each. Yep. And the really rare one uh, is if he wins World Cross and he can pick up a win in Doha on the track, he joins Bakili as the only man to have three major titles on road, track, and cross country. So we're, we're in very rarefied territory yeah. here. Now let's look at the teams for the men though, because Kenya, mm. Ethiopia, Uganda, Uganda you know, it's good to see Uganda really coming in. To the mix now regularly. USA is interesting though. Five of the six are Kenyans. Yeah, so this, this is an it's a it's a difficult topic to sort of stumble through with some people because uh, basically the, the five guys that we've mentioned have basically come to the US for college, um, and the US have a little bit of a loophole in their military system where um, I, I guess the validity of this is questioned by some running fans in the sense that five of these guys are part of what are, what's called the World Class Athlete Program who train in Colorado and Kenya. Um, if you join the US military and do a year of training, so you basically have a year off running, but you get a year in there and you get fast track to US citizenship, which look, I can't blame the guys. Look, if you're coming from Kenya and someone gives you a free ticket to US oh, citizenship, yeah. you know, what we don't. We won't see them on active service in Afghanistan or Iraq. I don't know. To be fair, a few of the guys that have gone through the world class athlete athlete program have had to serve out the remainder of their time in the military following. So, basically, the reason the U.S. military wants to bring them in is because they have genuine translating skills. So, areas that the U.S. deploy to, they're very helpful. Um, So, yeah, it remains to be seen, but you do sort of feel for some of the guys in the U.S. cross-country squad who miss out. Um, But there is one young fellow in there, Mason Furlick, who's a recent graduate from the University of Michigan and is a professional steeplechaser for Nike. So, interesting to see how he goes, but they'll be a frighteningly strong team um, and then I think you know we look at Australia for maybe one of those top six spots if, yep. if we had everything yeah, go exactly. right if it all I, works I think, so it's yeah. a shame Tiernan's not there because mm. he was a big performer in Uganda um, yep. and he will be missed yep Ooh. What about women? Have we got much? What's your yeah, sort of intel so having, there? Having a look at the women, um, it's it's really cool to see a massive superstar talk about the race as something that they're very excited for. So Helen O'Beary, who uh, I think is the reigning 5K champ, uh, Olympic champ and world champ, um, has spoken about that the only gold medal that she doesn't have is world cross country. And that's something that she was sort of gushing in Kenyan media that she really wants. It's this this last medal that she needs to to knock off the trophy cabinet. Um, So the way Let's Run jokingly sort of phrased it was, imagine you wake up and you've got a race in front of you that's got probably the best 5K runner in the world and the best steeplechaser. So you've got Beatrice Kipkoetch, who will be there taking on Obiri, both on the Kenyan team. but, you know, the afterthought there is uh, Let's in it, uh, Guido, who leads the Ethiopian team, and it's very casually run 14.23 uh, for 5K, which is eighth all time. Mm. Um, so, you know, the US uh, team there will be really up against it, um, as will basically every other team in that women's race. But um, I, I think... Um, where the Aussie team ends up there, that could stretch out a little bit more. I don't know if we've got yeah. a very 10K-themed team. No, I, I think our men, I'd be thinking our men might finish further up than the women, but yeah. I'd be looking maybe at someone like a Caitlin Adams. Given the mm. the type of course it is, she might be the one to be able to just nut that course out and yeah. might get a reasonably good performance from her. Yeah, so I did say before the US team are sending a pretty solid trio. So they're sending uh, Courtney Freericks, who's the world champ silver medal, uh, medal 
medalist in steeple. Uh, Marielle Hall, who was a 2016 Olympian over 10,000 metres. Um, and Carissa Schweitzer, who was the 2016 NCAA cross champ and has recently joined uh, the Bowman Group. So should be a really, really fascinating race. Um, and I think, you know, we'll, we'll look to see if we've got any way to sort of publicise any sort of streaming or, or options there. I haven't seen too much just yet. Yeah, we'll probably check with AA and AV's uh, socials over the next yeah, few days. Yeah, just, just looking to have ways there to watch the race. But, you know, it's, it's rare to see, um, you know, a race of this quality um, globally. And I think, you know, for any young fans out there, it's, it's pretty much a blur of excitement to watch. Yeah. The interesting footnote, though, Sean, mm. this is the 2019 championship. They hold every two years. 2021 <laughs> comes to Australia. Yep. Comes to Bathurst. That's the one. That's the one. Now, you know, we're, we haven't... Uh, the, the course, there's been some preliminary plotting of courses, mm. but um, just the, the general feel. And what's the... You know, say you know, you're more on Let's Run than I am. What's mm. the, the vibe out there? You know, it's all in the I vibe. Think, I think it's tough because wherever you do put World Cross Country, there are going to be a set of countries that aren't so stoked with the travel they have to do. But, you know, you look at the... And the, it, the Southern Hemisphere teams cop it all the time. time. Yeah. So there does try to be a rotation of throwing one in there. So, you know, to be fair, not Southern Hemisphere, but... Slightly closer. China did have it in, in Giyang yep. uh, at altitude um, relatively recently. Yeah, that was 2015. Yeah, but you know, Australia's got the bid. Um, to be fair, there weren't other bids for it, so there, weren't, there wasn't exactly a, a litany of countries <laughs> stepping up to take it. It um, wasn't a Melbourne Cup field, was it? No, no, there wasn't. And Canada deferred for 2023. So, look, I think there was a little bit of criticism early from some British athletes that were saying, oh, God, you know, we've got to trek all the way out to Australia. It's like, well, come off it. Yeah. at the same time, Australia has to absolutely trek to every single bloody major championship Ever all the time, all the time. Yeah. Um, so look, I think Australia. Well, if the has bombs the, aren't here, we don't care. I'm not too stressed. Um, the, the, well, if it's the Kenyans but, aren't both, here, yeah, that's when we care. Far is not having a run anyway, yeah. so yeah. I'm not too phased. Um, so I think the the big thing around the event in Denmark and in our house is that they're very excited about it, and that they've been very critical vocally of any European countries that aren't sending mm. full teams which is cool to see them sort of saying hey look you've always whinged about being too far away from yeah. it it's on your back doorstep and you're not sending a team um, yeah but that's not the reason the reason they're not going is mm. because the European cross country where they've got no Kenyans and Ethiopians to worry about is what they focus yeah, on yeah and the strangest thing there is Turkey which is a country yeah. that has no problems with purchasing Kenyan athletes <laughs> is only sending one athlete to world cross country total oh, probably the rest of them are serving bands yeah um, um, but I, I guess on that topic as well, um, it'll just be interesting to see whether having a very, like, an, an excellent world cross country in 2019, yeah, that will probably raise the pressure on Bathurst for 2021. Yeah, and look, I think what we want is for the Australian community to get behind it. You know, yeah. Bathurst is, you know, we are biased down here in Victoria. We want everything here. And we look across at Albert Park Lake and the, the beautiful golf course there where we could stage a stunning event, mm. but it is Bathurst. It's not going to change. No. Get behind it. Let's, you know, we'll be yeah. going up in a couple of weeks to try and do some final, you know, really get a fix on what the course is going to be. We will be endeavouring to make it an innovative course, an interesting course, and the, one of the directives we've been given, make it a tough course, similar yeah. to what our house is. And yeah, our house, by all accounts, is an extremely difficult course. Yeah. So, you know, there's a reason it's supposed to be one of the hardest races in the world, and, you know, there's a reason people that do win it are held in such high esteem. You know, it kicked yep. off Paula Radcliffe's career. Yep. It's 
basically the crowning jewel of Benita Willis's career. You know, there, there are some names that have been made at World, World That's Cross right. Country. So we want the Australian community to get behind this that first event. You know, start to think, well, you know, yes, let's get up there. We maybe you are pitching your tents on Conrod Strait. We don't know what how those sort of uh, little logistical things will work out, but we want the community to get behind it. And, you know, if you've never seen a World Cross, this is, as Sean said, the hardest foot race in the world. Mm. Get out there and spectate because there will be spectator zones. We'll hopefully have some great activations, even community races as well. So mm. 2021, haven't fixed in on a date, though I don't know if they have, or if they're still sitting on the March date potentially. Mm, There's been a few talkings about yeah. some of the, the changes to yeah. that. But, yeah, we know it's probably going to be quite warm too, but, oh, well, that's to it's our advantage. bloody hot in Uganda. Yeah. And let's see if we can get, well, number one, can we get uh, Australian National Cross Country there? Uh, to test True. it and can we get the uh, the trial there as well mm. so Bathurst 2021 start to uh, just to think stay about tuned. it yeah stay tuned and we'll we'll have some inside running because uh, Athletics Victoria are quite heavily involved in mm. the organisation of that event as but you'd expect because we produce such a good XCR series <laughs> effectively uh, that that wraps up our, our last little week we're of course all off to the Australian National Championships which are next week um, which there'll be plenty to to recap from and, and see what that that all means for, yeah, we'll, for going we'll do forward. Pretty de- One thing we haven't mentioned here, and we might do a little bit of uh, in the next episode, is we had, did have the Victorian Masters Champs over the, the yep. previous weekend. So we'll try and, you know, we've had a busy one again this time. So we'll, we'll have a look at some of those standout multi-winners there mm-hmm. and some good performances. So we'll yeah. catch up on that one. But, yeah, the Australian National Champs coming up, it's going to be great. And uh, looking forward to it, Sean. And I'm sure you'll be a busy man up there. Oh, yeah. Big week of athletics, but very exciting to see all our juniors know opens out there competing and uh, I think that wraps up another week for us Tim certainly does so that's episode 12 done and dusted episode 13 will be a good one so stay tuned